nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh no! Oh yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. We have a special episode today. We're debating Wolf In, Wolf Out, uh, Wolfa Burger versus Wolf In and Out, however you want to phrase it. Um, there are a lot of things going on here, but uh, the long and short of it is Austin fans aren't too happy with Josh Wolf. Uh, should he stick around? Should he not? And joining me today on the uh, on the podcast are Charles Peacock from the False Nine. Say hi, Charles. Thanks for having me. Hello. And uh, Seth, who knows everything. Uh, Seth, say hi to the nice people. Hey there. Okay. So um, it's a complicated issue, and I think the way we should do this is kind of to state our positions and our our biases up front. Um, this is supposed to be a friendly debate where we kind of actually lay out the positions of each side because really there's a lot of like invective and straw manning and a bunch of bullshit on each side. So um, I'll go first. I'm going to moderate. And I'm sort of reluctantly what I would call wolf out. Um, I've said it on the podcast a few times, but I'm sort of in the you can't fire everyone, so you have to fire the coach camp of wolf out. Um, it's not a hundred percent like Josh Wolf is the worst coach in the history of, uh, the sport or anything like that, but that's where I'm coming from. I'm going to do my best to be neutral on this. Um, but I will kind of ask pointed questions with Charles and Seth throughout. Uh, so hopefully I don't, you know, narrow too much on one of them. Um, but we'll see what goes on. Uh, Charles, where are you sitting right now? Uh, I am in the wolf out position. How wolf out are you? Uh, I, I'm, uh, he shouldn't have been allowed back on the team plane on Saturday, Wolf out. Okay. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. Uh, um, so Seth, you're going to be uh, doing the Wolf in position and are you Wolf in, Wolf out, Wolf maybe? I am Wolf in for today, but Wolf out as sporting director ASAP and possibly Wolf out if you lose back-to-back Copa Tejas games at home, but Wolf in as an organizational leader. Okay, yeah, and I think we'll get into the details there. But um, just so we have that all done up front, uh, are you guys ready to rock and roll and get to the fun stuff? Sure. All right. Yeah. Um, In the blue corner, Charles Peacock of the False Nine arguing wolf out. Ah! In the red corner, Seth, who knows everything, arguing wolf in. Bow to each other um, like this is an Aikido match. And uh, let's go. Um, Charles, opening statement, Wolf out, why? In the two and a half years where Josh Wolf has been coach of this team, we have not only not progressed, we've regressed. Um, Greg Berhalter said that, you know, the playoffs are slipping away from Austin. There's a trophy at stake on Saturday. And uh, they have a chance to climb five points clear of Co- in Copa Tejas standings. That applies to this season. He said that in 2021. Did you say Greg so, Berhalter or Josh Wolf? Greg Berhalter. Oh, wow. Okay. Just wanted to be clear. Yeah, it, it appears in Phil West's strike article. Okay. Um, anything you want to add for your opening statement? Um, yeah, even, even not looking at the results, Austin plays, um, ugly, um, uh, dated soccer that 
is never going to lead to any kind of consistent success in this league. Okay, um, that's a pretty strong statement. Seth? We have to look at what we have to work with here. This team, first of all, made the Western Conference Finals in its second season. Well, we might be recording this on Tuesday night while we're watching the Golden Knights possibly win a Stanley Cup tonight. That's even year six for them. Getting to a point, yes, they made a Stanley Cup in their first year. And yes, there have been teams at MLS that have been successful very early on. But making to a Western Conference Final that early on is nothing to laugh our heads off at. It. Last year, we were in euphoria land. And sports are something that, especially this is a podcast called Suffering from Joy. There has to be suffering involved to get to points of joy here. And it's not just going to be a unilateral climb up towards the top. And what Josh Wolf and crew have done is that they have built out an, or building out an organization where a U15 team is winning a generation Adidas Cup here. You have a U17 team that is competitive. You have a next pro team that is second place in the West right now that is playing with a clear sense of identity. Do we have the perfect players for this system? No. Are the results this season so far acceptable? No. But just because like we're halfway through a season, we're just going to be like a Liga Mekis team and go fire our coach for the sake of firing a coach without a clear replacement. I'm just I'm not there yet on Wolf Out. All right. Um, Charles, I think that's pretty strong opening statements from Seth. Uh, what do we do? Are we just firing Wolf to fire Wolf? Or do we have a, a backup plan in mind? Um, I think I don't think it's right to look at this as what has Josh Wolf done this half of the season. We have two and a half years of evidence of what Josh Wolf is as a coach. He's coached 90, 93 matches for Austin and has only won 31 total matches. 14 of those came in the first half of last season. We basically saw 20 games at the beginning of 2022, which included a loss to a USL side, mind you, where Austin racked up all the points they were going to get and has really been the only time we've consistently seen them play good soccer. Um, the worry about keeping Wolf is that through the last two years, where Austin has been in the standings through match 17, match 17 was last Saturday, is where they finished. And so if we're looking at being a playoff team or trying to improve and trying to get in there, based on past experience, Josh Wolf isn't the coach who's going to be able to do that. Um, I think there's a ready replacement there. And I think if we're going to get into the nuance a little bit about Josh's job, he is also interim sporting director. A lot of conjecture has been said about hiring a new sporting director. That person, whoever that is, should be allowed to hire the new coach or else we're going to end up in the same situation we're in now where the coach was hired before the sporting director and it's clearly not working. Uh, some pretty compelling points there. Um, Seth, you kind of mentioned that a lot of people are upset about the results this year, but I think Charles makes some good points that these go back to last year. Uh, we had some great results in uh, the beginning of last year and uh, a nice little playoff run, but um, where do you sit on kind of the body of work of Josh Wolf? And I think we're all willing to, forgive kind of the first season a little bit um yeah so no, i think the past year and a half or total body of work i mean it's also looking at it it's the coach doesn't play the game the coach does chooses who is in the starting lineup can choose the formation but i think we could, all three of us would agree that if ruben gabrielson if the american healthcare and education systems worked in the way of a european country we still had ruben gabrielson on this team that this team would be better than 
I wouldn't say necessarily than last year, but would be better than its current form. And that has absolutely nothing to do with Josh Wolf as a head coach. Okay, but um, so you fine. Get, but, ex- go ahead. But like, it, it, but my point is, I made my initial statement. I am not a fan of the way of extending Cascante, giving him a longer contract at this point, giving even the deal that we gave Driussi. I mean, Driussi has not looked good this year since giving him the deal. Diego has not looked good since giving a contract extension. It looks like we've had a culture of where the guys are getting the bag from a sporting director and they're not putting forth the same effort as they did last year. And even in the games that were in the second half of the season, there was still no doubt that they were putting forth their best effort. And obviously we've had injuries and we've had other things. We have to recognize that reality as well. But it's looking, in my mind, it has been less of a managerial shortfalling as it has been a team design shortfalling. And, I mean, maybe losing Claudio Reyna mattered a lot more. I mean, I'm not defending Claudio as a person. Claudio needed to go, and that is – I am perfectly at peace with that decision. But not having a plan B it falls more on the front office there. And Josh Wolf is still a first-time head coach here, and I think he deserves a chance to be focused on just being a head coach rather than being a head coach and a sporting director. I think all three of us agree on the fact that, like, him as a sporting director probably doesn't make sense in this given moment. No, I, I agree. Go ahead. I, I, I'm just generally of the view that the coach should only be coaching and that trying to do more than one job is, is too much for any person. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just a brief programming note, we'll have some uh, Cecilia related content a little later this week, but um, or not Cecilia, <laughs> different guy. Claudio. Okay. So, I mean, we kind of all agree that Josh shouldn't be doing this, whether you, whether you want to call it interim or whatever sporting director role. Seth, can you like fire him from that and actually keep him on as head coach? How do you semi demote someone like that? But I, I think it's that it's, it's the key is an interim there. I mean, we all have, I don't know, in my professional life, I've been an interim of a bunch of roles and you're an interim for a few roles for a few months. And then you find someone for that real job. And then usually you have a nice drink and you're relieved that you're no longer in that role too because you have enough to focus on in your day job. And Josh has plenty to focus on in his day job. I don't I, – and part of I think part of, I think all three of our frustrations in this as being super nerds of this stuff is we have no idea how much they're making. If Did Josh get an additional – oh, he makes an additional quarter million now that he's interim chief soccer officer? I, I have no idea. And like it, it's weird to me that we have no clue how that works, but thus is the single entity structure of MLS. But I think at a certain point it's like, okay, I've – coach 17 games this year we have 19 points that's not where we want to be we need to have probably 43 to 44 points to make the playoffs his job should be figuring out how can we get those points to make the playoffs starting off with two matches against in-state rivals at home next week and that should be the only thing he's focused on not a transfer window that's opening up in three weeks uh charles would you be happy if uh josh wolf is relieved of his interim chief soccer or transfer guy duties and only remains and solely focused as the head coach? I don't, are, are you talking about in the short term for this season or as a long-term plan? Yes. Like with the, like, <laughs> uh, long-term, no, I think, unless the sporting director who gets brought in wants to keep him on, at which point I have to begrudgingly be like, that's your choice. It's probably wrong, but that's your choice. In the short term, I think it's easier for the sporting director to take hold of the team and do what he, do whatever they want with the team without 
the previous regime left over there. And I would even include Chris Rubio in that. Sean Rubio. Sean Rubio. I'm sorry. Sean, Too many teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Rubio. I mean, Seth, how do you square that circle? Like, if we're going to drop uh, Josh off of this um, transfer decision structure, we have a window opening up. I think we all agree the roster needs some work. Like, are we just going to tread water here? What's going to happen? I think you say that, hey, Sean Rubio is your person for this to get out this year at this point. Like, it is – I don't see a world where it makes sense to fully relieve him of everything if you don't think Sean Rubio is at least ready to be the person for the rest of this year. If we get to a point where we finish 11th or 12th this season and we want to go Wolf out at the end of the season and go Rubio out and go everyone else out and start a like FC Cincinnati-style rebuild, I'm okay with that. But I think right now with this structure in MLS, the fact that we are close enough to the playoff line, and unless there is a player revolt, and I think I've been pretty consistent on this point. Like if we have like a Bernadeschi-style incident where we see any of our team leaders speaking out against Wolf publicly, I'm fine going to Wolf out as manager on the spot there. But I don't think he's lost the locker room yet. And I think at this point is if he could figure out ways to inspire them, build off of what we can with some opportunities ahead here. I mean, and take it one match at a time and start getting some three points here. This team is, I mean, this team is a a point or two out of a playoff spot right now. Like it is still very much competitive, even if the form in the last few matches hasn't been exactly inspiring. Yeah. I mean, Charles Seth brings up a good point here. We're, you know, a short run or a couple wins away from, uh, you know, being in a good spot for a playoff spot. Um, Is that really that bad? In, in a league where, where nine of 14 teams make the playoffs, yeah, um, or in a conference, weather, rather. But I, I, I think part of it is that I, I've seen no evidence in the last, at least through this season, even dating back to a lot of last season, that, you know, through 31 games, they've only scored 31 goals. Like, this is no longer a trend. This is what the team is. They don't score enough. They don't defend well enough. I'm not sure how Austin is going to suddenly turn into a different team. Um, because we're also so limited in terms of roster construction, in terms of adding players and dropping players, that this is kind of, these are kind of the guys. And, you know, watching the match on Saturday and watching other matches, the vibes are bad, <laughs> like aggressively bad. And I, I agree with, with Seth that barring a player revolt, I don't, I'm not sure Josh is going to get fired. I think the only two people who can fire him are Anthony Precourt and Sebastian Driussi. And neither of them seem willing to do that at the moment. No, I mean, they don't. I think we're kind of in a different debate here. We're discussing what should happen, not what will happen. Seth, I'm going to read you um, a couple of comments because I thought they were hilarious. Um, So Austin FC haven't scored more than two goals in a match in an entire human gestation period. I can prove this. Uh, Reader, listener, Callie says, yep, I was two weeks pregnant at the RSL game uh, where the last time that happened was, and she's currently feeding a one-month-old. what makes you think Josh Wolf is going to fix this if we have that track record? What makes me think that? Sorry, there. Um, it, at a certain point, I mean, Musa Jite had scored, what, two goals in his Austin FC career and had a hat trick in about 20 minutes um, in a game. Yeah, last he was year. a seven that game. What's right? He was a yeah, sub in that game. Yeah, he was a sub in that game and scored, um, and came in and scored a hat trick. 
happens. Like it is a, you get onto a moment. I, I don't think any of us thought we were going to go score four goals against LAFC um, at home last year. And that happened. Like this is soccer is not about logic. A lot of the time, like at a certain point you can get the right mood, right things that happen here. I mean, I, I am a logical data driven, rational person. But, like, sometimes things happen Ooh. in this sport, and you're just like, what on earth is this? Like, uh, what, what, what was Lucas Zellerayad's XG for the goal that he scored up here on Saturday night behind the line? It was probably, what, .001, but it went in, and he won the game. Like, at a certain point, goals come out of weird places, and, like, I mean, if Driussi hits that sitter to be the second goal there, we might have walked out of KC with a point even though we didn't deserve it on Saturday, like it is past performance is, it can be helpful in predicting the future, but it's not necessarily indicative of it. And streaks and momentum are, are a weird thing in this game and they can come in any place there. And as you start regressing to the mean last year, we overperformed on our XG this year, we're underperforming on it at a certain point, there's a revision to the mean. And yeah, that might mean four or five goals in a match somewhere. I mean, Charles, do you have any uh, response to that line of argument? Uh, I mean, I I agree in the sense that, like, you know, we are still playing a game with humans, and humans are fallible, and anything can happen. Um, at, at some point, like, I understand the idea that we're regressing to the mean, but part of the problem is also that Austin isn't creating as many chances as they did. You know, their XG is down a, a third from what it was last season. So even if you're Part of it is that to overperform on your chances, you still have to create chances, and they've not been good at that. No, no, there's no denying that we haven't been as good as we need to be at creating chances. We also haven't had as healthy of a roster. We haven't made all of the tactical adjustments that we need to make, and some of that is a managerial decision, but some of that is a sporting director decision. Yeah, Charles, I want to hear your opinion on the uh, injury crisis, the groin demons, all of that going on. Um, how much do you think that's affecting the performance versus, say, like Wolf's uh, influence on the team? I, I think it's affected it in the sense that, you know, I think we've only really had like 11 minutes this season of the preferred, quote unquote, preferred starting 11. And what and 11 minutes they were. Exactly. You know, it was great against St. Louis City for a while there. Um, I think part of it is that the season has had really bad vibes from December, January with Reyna, it's continued on through the season because never everybody hasn't been healthy at once. It's always been staggered. That's why Ring has been having to play so much and why he finally got struck by the groin demon. Um, and so I, I understand that, you know, injuries are a problem, but they're also a problem for every team. You know, every team has had some important players be out and they don't all just seem to completely fall apart the way Austin did. And some of that is on roster. The LA Galaxy would like to disagree there, but... Well, I mean, if we want to talk about teams that have bad, bad vibes and have had bad vibes all season, as an example of why you need to fix things, the LA Galaxy are number one. But the 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 but and that's also a, you know, that is also a coaching decision now. You know, Josh went to playing at a five at the back system with three center backs on a team that couldn't competently keep three center backs healthy, and continued and he continued to play people out of position that we saw didn't work. And only recently has he, has he relented back to last year's system, uh, the more traditional like four, three, three kind of Dutch system that he preferred in the first two seasons. Not that it's working that much better. And then we get news that Radovanovic might be leaving 
And so you kind of look at the roster construction and the tactics that Wolf wants to play, and they don't mesh in any way. And for somebody who also has a title of sporting director, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, Seth, do we need to give Josh a little uh, transfer time to fix this? Uh, wait for everybody to get healthy? I mean, I think it's a question of, okay, if Radovanovich is leaving, um, you still have a buyout to use. You have Amro Tarek taking up a 20-person spot right now on this team who isn't even, I mean, has he even been at practice? Like, I don't even know what's going on there. Like, some of that has been, like, I, I just don't know where this falls under that. There's just been some very poor spots being used. And if Radovanovich is leaving, we need to have at least one center back. I mean, Kippy isn't even the best center back on Efesito right now. Like, we have to get to a point where we have guys that we can trust, whether it's two center backs or three center backs. I think it is, if you have 20 senior roster spots and 10 other spots, you have to have four center backs that you can trust. We're not going to have the total fixture congestion. And one thing we haven't really talked about is just like playing in a lot of competitions is hard, but manage, we somehow only played three extra games in all these competitions. So I don't really want to use that as an excuse, but I think that we got galaxy brained on some of that stuff and got to our heads and tried to focus on everything. So we ended up focusing on nothing. Yeah. Charles, you kind of mentioned Seth sort of was talking about this just now that the vibes have been off all year. Um, And, you know, that's any number of factors. Um, You mentioned Claudio. That's even before the year started. Do you think our perception of this is colored by how good the vibes are at St. Louis City right now? I uh, Yes. I think they're more clouded by how good the vibes were in Q2 last season. Yes. You know, from uh, – especially from seeing, uh, you know, what happened with Claudio. And, 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 and I think the worrying thing about this season is that the team faced adversity last year with what happened with Cecilio. And, you know, really work through it and move through it, even not getting anything out of that, out of that spot. And this year we haven't seen that same kind of kind of fight or aggression. Um, I'd also be remiss just, you know, this is something we keep track of over here at the compound. You know, Josh keeps wearing black. And the team is <laughs> never wore, wore on, were, on, uh, on Saturday. He, he did, but then he wore a black pullover over it. Like, he was, like, shamed of wearing Verde. Um, so I think at some point, like, you know, the vibes being off, like, from the front office and in the locker room just kind of affects everything. Okay. But does firing Josh fix that? I guess this is sort of the argument that I think people are on kind of different sides of. And I want you to explain the, essentially the wolf out version of this. Does firing Josh Wolf, you know, fix everything? Does it fix some things? What does it fix? What's the play here? Why do we fire him? I I think short term, there's only so many things that you can fix quickly and easily. You can't change over 15 to 20 players in a transfer window. That's not, that's not doable. That's not feasible. You can change the coach and you can try to change the vibes and try to go to somebody like Davey Arno, who, you know, we talked about the Musa GJ hat trick game. He was the one who's been credited with making that argument to substitute him in and to change how Austin played for that match. Um, so short term, there's not a lot of, a whole lot of options just because of how MLS works and the rosters and and getting rid of Wolf is, is both the easiest and it could at least solve one problem, which is a coach playing a system that the roster doesn't necessitate playing. Long term, there's a lot of fixes. And the number one thing is getting a clear idea of the front office decision making and making sure that 
they have a clear idea of not only what their roster needs to look like, but what they want to play and try to maintain what is going on positively, especially at the youth levels, to try to have that infiltrate the, the first team. Yeah, um, Seth, so we're recording this uh, Tuesday night. The Vegas Golden Knights are up 2 nothing. Looks like they're about to walk into a Stanley Cup win at home for the first time in their franchise history. Uh, there's a lot of joy going on there. And what makes you think Wolf versus, uh, let's say, a Davey Arnault is going to bring that feeling back to Q2? Um, I, I think, honestly, a lot of the divisions are, if you look at, it was interesting. I had a call with the front office um, in my away travel role a few weeks ago. That was telling me that the front office was reading away, it was a reading case studies from both MLS, from other sports and other businesses of businesses that have had struggles in their third year after the team started struggling. Yep. And they're trying to figure out, like, they're looking at this from, like, they've brought in some UT professors, they've brought in some other people to help them actually study this, which I found to be really interesting that they're actually looking at this from a management point of view. But it's also that people leave opportunities that, like, even among supporter groups, there's been a lot more internal bickering, there's been other things that, like, winning glosses over a lot of things, and it's really easy to start being discontent when things aren't as good and the highs last year were not like amazingly high high but like they were so much higher than year one that we get to the point where it is um where it's like okay we've set ourselves up for expectations and you have to remember what is the bar of expectations and i think what an example that's really useful to me um as some listeners of the podcast now i'm a big sa freiburg fan and member of the club in Germany. And we've had our manager, Christian Streich, for 12 years now. Year one, finished, barely survived relegation. Year two, made the Europa League. Great season. Year three, finished 14th in the league. Most teams, after you'd finished 14th out of 18th, you'd probably sack your manager. Freiburg, nope, they didn't sack the manager. They end up getting relegated the next season. They didn't sack the manager then. He comes up, wins the second league, and has now gotten the team to finish um, in the Europa League each of the last two years and has built up the best academy in Germany that actually would have gotten promoted to the second Bundesliga if they were legally allowed this past season. It's a long-term project. Austin fans don't have the patience of German fans of an entirely club-owned team because Christian Schweitz is an incredibly charismatic person who is politically a lot. Honestly, like if Josh Wolf had 20% of the charisma of Christian Schweitz that was as vocal on political issues, I think a lot of fans would put up with mediocre results. But Josh Wolf is such a... I mean, I don't know if he's a good or bad person, but he's just such a meh person that I think a lot of the most vocal supporters within our team are like, this is the guy I'm going to go fight for. Like, he puts up weak excuses at press conferences. His Spanish isn't that great. He doesn't show emotion on the side. He's not necessarily your rally around the flag leader. I think people would be more okay with not as great results if you saw someone to be like, you know what, he at least gives a shit. And I think the fact that there hasn't been as much of that from Josh makes the wolf out contingent so much more loud and vocal and gives them a valid point. Well, and I mean, I'm going to tie this into a listener question here in a second, but like, it's not meh. And I don't think Josh is a bad person. Like I said, we're going to do some Claudio and Cecilio stuff later this week. Um, Josh is not in that category. Uh, let's say that unequivocally, like, you know, Josh may not be like, you know, the life of the party or something, but he's not anywhere like that so let's state that out but um charles i'll go to you and i'll read this um from rachel rue for the wolf out crowd if he was a more animated coach which is kind of what seth was talking about who showed frustration emotion 
would that impact your feelings if he did make kind of like if he was you know more animated on the sideline or if he tried new things and the record was the same would you still feel the same like he's got to go mid-season um i don't know to to shortly answer the question the long answer to the question is that i don't I don't rate how animated a coach is as being good or bad. I don't, I think every coach can coach in their own way. I, I don't appreciate Josh's um, complete coach speak at every press conference to where it doesn't seem like they're different. Like you almost have a weird, like deja vu sense that he answers every question the same. Um, so that I, I generally have a problem with. I wish he was slightly more blunt, more honest. I wish he took more responsibility you know, comparing him in the press conference to Gallagher at the press conference on Saturday. Um, you know, Gallagher had a lot of, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of taking accountability as, as not just him, but the team and how they played. And we never really hear that from Josh. Josh always kind of resorts back to the like, oh, we played well for a while and we had some good moments. And then it just kind of got away from us. And he says that every press conference. Um, so at some point you just kind of stop believing that it's true. Um, but I mean... Josh is a reserved guy by every, by every account, even, you know, meeting him in person, he seems that way. I think that is a personality type that can still win and be a good coach. So I don't think him just like ranting and raving like he's Jurgen Klopp is, is a problem. No. And I do remember a time, like I know there were wolf out people in the first season, but quite frankly, I think that was beyond ridiculous. Um, I don't remember which game it was, but our guys were getting like hammered left and right. And the refereeing was terrible. And I just remember thinking like, man, can you get like a yellow card or something? like just to fire the team up. Like, we're not going to win this game. We're not going to make the playoffs, but like go do something. So, I mean, I think there's a little bit to that question. Um, I, I assume that match was against San Jose just because yeah. every San Jose I mean, match. It's, <laughs> a, it's a good <laughs> assumption. I mean, that, 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 that was the one press conference where he finally broke form where Bill's got, where he caught it out on a clown question towards him. So like, I at least appreciated that someone finally got under his skin there, which I don't think has happened this year. Yeah. And I mean, that's a double-edged sword, right? Like, yes. we want him to show more emotion, but if, you know, he's going off on a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, like, we're going to be like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Um, oh, wait, are, do you mean the Eric Goodman bullshit question? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, getting my, I'm getting my references mixed up there. You're right. That was Eric. I got to get yeah, no. for that, yes. Uh, on Zoom press conferences, which, like, are still a thing, which is crazy <laughs> to me that, like, Zoom press conferences are still a thing in June 2023, but I digress. Uh, that's a conversation for a different day. Seth, um, she has a, a separate question, Rachel Rue, for the Wolf In crowd. Uh, round one of the playoffs is now series-based. How do you justify hanging on to a coach that hasn't shown he can make adjustments when in a series format that tends to win out? Being objectively better doesn't matter if you've got a bad matchup. Looking back, do you think we, we could take RSL in a three-game series? And we made the point on this podcast uh, several times, including you, uh, that we're looking at the end of last season very differently if Rubio Rubin doesn't get an incredibly stupid second yellow card. Uh, so what do you think about um, our chances with a, uh, a Wolf first-round playoff series? Well, you got to win a playing game to get to even a first-round series with the way this season's going. Uh, but yes. Um, You're not helping your case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just being a, a realist here. No, I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting there. Do you make adjustments? I mean, we saw um, – like, I, honestly, I don't think most coaches in this league are good at making adjustments. Steve Cherundolo tried to make a bunch of adjustments in the CCL final um, for LAFC and went to a back five, and it um, failed miserably against Leon. Um, so it's a question of, okay, who's going to come up there? Like, I don't think Josh – 
I'm not defending because I, I mean, my position has been very clear. I think his position, his lack of adjustments has not, have not been great. But then again, he's not coaching against the world's greatest geniuses here. And I think that at a certain point, I would put our home field advantage in a must win match above almost any in the league. And I think you have to hope that for at least, okay, even if you're on the road for um, at least one or two of those matches, you got to go take advantage of it. You got to go create opportunities. And he did a good enough job of, I mean, that first half against Frisco last year was among, was the best half of football that I've seen this team play, period. Like, yeah, I'd say even better than either of the LAFC games. Like, I mean, just coming out in that environment, especially against a team that, hadn't beaten before like to come out and be as dominant. I mean, second half was not good in that match, but like it, it is possible under him. Like we have seen moments of it. We know it is possible. It's not like we're asking for the truly impossible here. We know it can be done. And I think that that's what makes it frustrating for it's like, okay, there is hope here. Like it's this, these moments can click. What do we have to do to rebuild those moments to see what is possible? I mean, Charles, let's piggyback off of what Seth just said. Is there hope here? I mean, there's always hope, but it's, it's the hope that kills Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the, <laughs> answer the question. <laughs> uh, no, I, no I, I agree there's hope. I, I, as much as I am a naysayer about this, I also acknowledge that if Austin can keep everybody healthy for the stretch run from, from uh, Leagues Cup on, you know, sign, figure out what they're doing with GT spot on the roster or, or make another like savvy roster move. They could absolutely get enough points to get into the playoffs and be a team that, you know, other teams may, may not want to face. There's absolutely hope for that. I don't want to say that there's no hope because there is. There's only no hope when you're mathematically eliminated for the playoffs. Um, I mean, Seth is making the playoffs good enough? Making the playoffs good enough for this year – I would say making it to at least the first round. Like if we were to lose in the playoff round, I would be fine with a cleaning of the top house there. If we make it to at least the first round of the playoffs and are at least semi – like if we lose like 9-0 on aggregate or something, then no, like you're out. But if it is a – if we lose in the first round of the playoffs and are competitive I and like we see signs of progress in the second half of the season, I'm good with season four. Okay, um, let me kind of rephrase this. I'm trying to go back to our well of uh, listener slash reader questions here. Uh, this is from noted uh, Wolf Out enthusiast Aries. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to kind of summarize it, but uh, there seems to be a narrative that Wolf Out people are just not patient enough and good things will come if we just wait for the, the system to work. Um, Wolf's already been asked what he would change in the second half of the season, and he basically said um, nothing's really changing since he sees a lot of good things. And I think that's not an unfair statement, not to editorialize too much here, but um, is there something concrete that the people that support Wolf can point to that's happened this season that should give them more hope? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Owen Wolf has been gone for, I mean, yes, he got in a little bit there against KC, but has been gone for the last month. And the game was over by that point. That doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not, it's just, like, we were, getting, we were getting our ass kicked. There's, there's nothing around there. Like, establishing a, like, because of injuries and other things, we haven't been able to have a consistent, I mean, have we repeated a starting 11 in more than two matches this year? 
Uh, I would be surprised because so. we've been rotating a lot. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at our schedule coming up here, I mean, I mean, I'm personally fine with tanking Leagues Cup. I mean, yes, it'd be kind of cool to get around a 16 match with Messi and Inter Miami if that were to happen, and the club would make a lot of money on that. It would be good for a lot of other things. But it is, I, I, I'm fine with tanking Leagues Cup and taking a couple weeks off to like just relax, get focused on a stretch run here. I mean, if the team gets into a Leagues Cup run, like. I'm all for it. Like, go for it. But, like, if we end up finishing second in the group, like, take the FSCTO guys out to LAFC and go lose 5 0. Like, it, it'll be an experience, right? Just a learning experience, or is it prepping them for their future as uh, Austin FC players? It is a, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's a bit of both. Um, you get to a world where you want to have guys that play in big matches and get to a point where it's like, okay, if you know that you're not necessarily – like, why put yourself through something where, okay, if you know your odds of succeeding are so low and a world of like, okay, what, what do we actually gain out of this besides some money and a CCL spot so we could go lose to a – we can't lose to a Haitian team next year because they're ineligible, but like go lose to a Nicaraguan team or something. But it is a um, like like right now like uh, the fan base cares most about making a playoffs and making a run there. You should be doing everything you can to set up the current guys and possible guys you could fill in for big matches moving forward there. And I think that's what you do. And if you look at it, we don't have that many Wednesday matches um, coming up here. I mean, there is you have the twenty first. You have July 12th in Vancouver. And I guess if Leagues Cup happens, you've got some there. But there's, and then I think we're at Red Bulls midweek, and there's one more in October. But we have a lot fewer of these, like, I mean, this past stretch of May where we had nine matches in like four and a half weeks. We don't really have stretches like that moving forward. So, like, there is a chance, and we're not trying to catch up a bunch of matches like LAFC is. Like, we have some time to go rebuild and focus on each match and, we, this is a team that uh, some of the stats that we've looked at, like they do, they can do really well against top of the table teams and they can blow it against bottom of the table teams. So like you can get three points out of every single match. And so I come in there with an expectation that we can win every match and that we can lose every match. That's kind of a terrifying approach to life, but like, Hey, right now, what do we have to do? <laughs> like we got to get 25 points in the next 17 matches. And I think this guy, the side is capable of doing that. And if they're not capable of doing that, then Okay go seek some changes, but give them another 17 matches. Yeah. And I mean, I know I'm still a little salty about the CCL thing, not least of all because I had a great rendition of a little red Corvette called beating Violet ready to go um, that I never got to use. And uh, you're welcome listeners. So Violet did you all a favor that you didn't have to hear that. I mean, honky um, honk is better than that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, Honky honk's pretty solid. Honky honk is great. Um, and I mean, we kind of flamed out in the open cup. But, I mean, League's Cup is a trophy. Uh, Charles, if we kind of show out pretty well there, are you willing to hang on to Wolf? Um, I mean, I mean, the state of execution, sure, if it goes really well. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how, how much not just Austin puts into League's Cup and how much all the other teams do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mexico, the Mexican season won't be, I don't think we'll have started by now. No, they, they are starting, Our, the Operatura the starts um, the last weekend in June. Okay, so so they will actually be, like, going then. And so I'm interested to see kind of how, how seriously everybody takes it. Um, I mean, competing for any silverware is important, especially for a club that doesn't have any. 
Um, so I, assuming that it goes on and, and Austin goes on a pretty significant run, i.e. at least the semifinals, then yeah, I, I would agree that he would get more time. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to turn this back around on you, and this is kind of the biggest question we've had, Charles. And uh, I'm going to kind of point out a couple of people asked basically the same thing. Um, our good friend Phil West at the Striker and uh, my fellow St. Louis enthusiast, the Chuck. Um, I'm going to read his because it's a little more in-depth and I think kind of gets to the root of the question a little better. But um, who's the replacement? And I mean, you know, we kind of said Davey Arno short t- short term, but... Um, you know, let's say he kind of does mid or doesn't prove himself. Um, who do you replace him with? Um, and do we want to get into that trend of just kind of Chelsea firing coaches left and right? Well, I, I don't, I don't see us ever being the, the Chelsea level of firing coaches, which is like the very far end of the bell curve on firing coaches off end. At the same no, it's, time, it's off the bell Chelsea, curve. Let's be serious. <laughs> at, at the same time, Chelsea has gone to a Champions League final that they lost some penalties with an interim manager and won a Champions League title with an interim manager. So you can't say that their strategy hasn't worked. Chelsea also um, has a heck of a lot more money than we do. Yes, this is where the comparisons break down, especially you talking about any like Premier League or like Bundesliga teams, is that the money is just very different and the openness of the rosters. Yep. I think short term, Davy Arno is clearly the guy. He's the guy who when you know Josh had COVID last year, um, took over the reins and uh, anytime Josh seems to seems to be unavailable, he's the obvious pick. I think having an interim manager until you make bigger front office decisions is a good idea. Um, as far as actual names, I'm not sure. As much as I would love somebody like Almeida to like come in and play chaos ball, I don't, I don't foresee <laughs> us doing that. Um, I think my biggest thing is I would just like to get somebody outside of the U.S. coaching tree, and yeah. somebody who's not a like Burhalter disciple, somebody who gets us kind of out of that like drama-filled realm of of ex players that really haven't led to that much success. Is outside of Chirondolo. But, like, yeah. also, but I'll push back on you a little bit. Like, if you get to a point, I also want a coach who has experience winning in MLS. And, like, that list, like, there's a lot of foreign coaches that have come to this league and have failed and have succeeded elsewhere. And, like, a lot of these American coaches, I mean, as much as we don't like Greg Berhalter on different things, Greg Berhalter has won an MLS Cup. Caleb Porter has won an MLS Cup. Like, Bob Bradley has won some MLS Cups. Bruce Arena has won some MLS Cups. Greg Vanny, like, you start going through these lists here, like, it's an intro, like, yes, it's like, oh, God, do we want to go? But, like, they've won in the league, and, yes, I mean, Tata Martino is technically available. I assume he will be signed as the new Inter-Miami manager in the next week or so. But, like, there are not. Yeah. Yeah. Is is it officially done, done? I don't think so. I thought it was done. I, I, I haven't mean, seen it. I haven't seen the press conference. If it's uh, not but, done, uh, it's, it's constructive. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So, like, yes, there is. But he's, I mean, outside of him, like the, um, I guess, um, Ronnie Dahlia, who, uh, what you call it, was the manager when NYCFC won. Is, was he back in, he's what, Norway now? Mm, that sounds right to me. Yeah, I, I think he went back to Europe. But, like, there's a um, – Certain point of like, okay, yes, there, maybe there are four managers out there, but if you're going to bring in someone who is outside the U.S. cabal, you need someone who is really, really, really good as a sporting director who understands the absurdities of this league. Or the other option is that Messi somehow breaks all of the rules of MLS and we just somehow have a new CBA negotiated overnight, which I would have said was zero possibility last week. This week is like a 10% possibility. 
I mean, the rules are made up and the yeah. points don't matter, so um, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, here's the thing. Is I, I think for me, it's more that, like, because of what we've seen with U.S. soccer, both in terms of the drama and the interconnectedness, I'd like to see us try to get out of that. Mm-hmm. I agree that we would need a strong sporting director to understand the league better, especially somebody um, somebody like Claudio, who who was able to pick Stuber out of, you know, obscurity, who's, you know, Danny one of the better players in the league. Exactly. Um, I mean, the counterpoint to that is the entire expansion draft. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess Stuver and Diego make up for a lot. I'm glad you guys are both being fair with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and that's the thing is that I, I, I think one of the toughest things to evaluate about coaches is, is looking at how much influence they have because 90% of coaching we don't see. We see, you know, what happens on the field in terms of tactics and strategy and and lineups and substitutions, but 90% of coaching is really about um, managing the players and the personalities and a staff, and we don't get to see that stuff. So that's why it's so difficult to find a coach or to pick out coach names is that a lot of the job is is behind the scenes. Yeah, and I mean, kind of speaking of that, I'm going to shoehorn this in with a, a listener question from David Flores, Seth. Yeah. Um, how much blame goes on the coach versus the sporting director? I think we kind of did a little bit of that, but if you want to expand on that, that would be great. And if there's a coaching change, and I think this is a big continuity point, how does it affect the academy and FSCito? Because I think a lot of the Wolf Out crowd says, well, just put in Arno, and he's kind of plug and play for now. There's there's no disruption there. Um, but how do you see that unfolding? I mean, we have no idea. I mean, Davey Arno's never been a head coach of anything. I think he's been an assistant for multiple teams in the league. But like, we don't know if he would continue that. Like, I think that there's a lot more un no one's there than a lot of other people are willing to readily admit. Yeah, he was an interim for a little bit, right? Um, give me one second. I'll pull it up there. But I, I believe that he, he's never been a head head coach. As yeah, I a full head coach with like, you know. Yeah, he was an interim with the Dynamo for a few games. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's been sort of head coach um, yeah. in theory, right? Yeah, but I mean, he went back to yeah, like he yeah, he hasn't really done that much on this side of it. Like, yeah, I mean, he's been an assistant for a couple of teams in the league. I mean, there is like, yeah, I mean, he might be the right person. He might be the uh, what you call it, the Luke Garrett coming up here as being the next star, and like he could change the direction of this franchise. Like, completely possible. Um, like, I'm not against him getting a shot here, but it's a question: Has Will fully blown his opportunity yet? And I'm just not quite there. Interesting choice with Lou Gehrig. Um, just going to point that out. But um, Charles, how do you feel about this? So, like, let's say, you know, they rip up the blueprint and Wolf and Arnaud are gone at the end of the year. Uh, do you have to hire a sporting director that kind of fits this, you know, total football, possession-based, whatever you want to call it, um, model? Or do you let the sporting director flat out decide from the get-go? Personally, I would let the sporting director decide from the get-go. Okay. Um, not not the least of which that, you know, when you look at Austin's record when, with possession, they're better when they don't have it. And so I'm not sure that the style that we're trying to play and the roster we currently have really vibe in that way. And so I'd like to see a sporting director who kind of is enabled to make those decisions and to, to really put an imprint on the team. Okay. Um Seth, how much do you think like hiring Wolf before hiring a sporting director factors into kind of how people view the roster build? I mean, we didn't sign any 
I would have to be double checked on this. My understanding is even Rodney Redis was signed after Claudio Reyna had started. I think you're correct. So it's like I think some of the like in retrospect should have well, hopefully someone with who's um, a better human being than Claudio Reyna, um, should have they have been hired a sporting director first? Of course. But like we don't live in that world. We live in the world where Anthony Precourt hired Josh Wolf nearly two years before we kicked our first ball. What and, do you mean? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's it's not ideal, but like I don't think like this roster where it is right now for good or bad is mostly a reflection on Claudio Arena. And so much of being a sporting director is being able to plan 12 to 18 months ahead of time. So like my understanding is like one of the main things that Claudio was planning for upon his departure is who's replacing Alex Ring at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's a question of how are those transitions working? So like, I mean, right now the roster build outside of the contracts that have been signed since he left are really like those are the those are the only things that we can judge on that are not really Claudio Reyna at this point. Yeah, I mean that's true, and I mean I don't really know, Charles. How do you respond to the argument that I see from a lot of the Wolf in folks? Um, hey, we don't have a sporting director. Josh Wolf is our coach. We can't fire Josh Wolf until we have a sporting director. I. Uh... Specifically because of of what Seth said, where we fucked it up the first time, I guess is kind of how I'm trying to phrase this. I mean, I I think that kind of goes back to, to to some extent, I think that's kind of a disingenuous proposition. Because if we're retaining Wolf as coach through the end of the year, just for the sake of doing it, I understand wanting to do that under the idea that it being continuity. But that should also have the expectation that if we hire a new sporting director that doesn't want him, he's gone. And if he seemingly has won this power struggle of staying on and not only staying on as coach, but also increasing his job title and increasing his power in the organization, I feel like that would prevent a sporting director from being one potentially hired because it might not be a new person. And if it'd be pre-court might decide that what's currently going on is working behind the scenes. He can make that judgment. He's the owner. That's his right. Um, and, And so leaving those powers in the front office and at the club would inherently hinder whoever the new hire is. Um, Seth, how do you respond to that? I mean, we, we were just in this chicken and egg cycle here at this point. Yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it. Like, it is, okay. Like, or you get rid of, but like, you also don't want to, <laughs> that in the weird way, you don't want to be getting rid of both of them. That's what the U.S. men's soccer team is doing. Wait a minute, we're entering a Nations League on Thursday, and we're entering a um, Gold <laughs> Cup with an interim coach, and at least we have a sporting director now. No, we have an interim interim coach. Yeah, we have an interim interim yes. coach. We do a, I believe our full-time sporting director is started now. Um, yep. I think he has, uh, the guy from Southampton. But there's, uh, yeah, like it took them months and months to get that on the way. But like, admittedly, they don't play games every week. So that it's not as urgent as this is. And I just, I hope that there's really good planning uh, coming up with lists for both of these roles and having you, because like an MLS offseason is not long. Like you need to have a sporting director pretty much in place the second you're out of the playoffs. Or if you win the title, then don't worry about it. But um, it's a, um, because like, Last year, we had a long offseason because of the World Cup. Like, this year, like, okay, even if we don't make the playoffs, it's from uh, October 21st to February. So, like, that would be four months there. But, like, if we make it 
a decent playoff run, like you could easily be at Thanksgiving or later than that. I mean, I don't think MLS Cup is until the second week of December this year. Yeah, but and then, I mean... then like your, your window, like so. I really hope that no matter what is happening right now, that there are really good lists coming up for sporting directors, and that really good list of coaches that are coming up there for a sporting director to choose from or the sporting director in their potential interview is like, who are you going to hire as a manager if it's not going to be Josh Wolf? Yeah. And I guess that's the question I was about to ask you You sort of preempted it, but you know, we talk about um, Claudio and Josh and um, especially in the Zardes thing, a lot of people try to pin that on, you know, Josh or um, the post Claudio front office. But I think that was in the works ahead of time. Like we talked about, it's 12 to 18 months ahead of time. What the fuck is the front office waiting for? Why haven't we heard a name or they said something like, well, we're going to narrow our search and try to get it figured out by the off season. Like, is there any visibility or do you think there should be visibility on how this is going? Well, right now we have a, um, the three of us have probably asked more questions than the combined Austin FC press court has about this. Ooh, sick burn. But like, take that Phil West. Ha! Just kidding, Phil. We love you. I mean, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they are doing their jobs, but it's also like they're getting to a point of. I mean, Adrian made it this point on Moon Tower a couple weeks ago. It's like this is not only like where that if every match that Frank Lampard lost when he was managing Chelsea Everton, he's on the front page of or the back page of a paper. Like Austin FC losing is a novelty in the statesman that no one reads, and you should be on solidarity with the statesman reporters who are on strike and underpaid by the corporate overlords at Connect. But there's a um, it's going through those worlds there. It's like where is the pressure here if it's not coming from fans? And yes, like there's Twitter, and I think Coach Wolf and others in pre-court reads Twitter and goes through other things. But like Twitter's only so much. Like if fans are really displeasured, like they're going to have to show it at the stadium for there to actually be some pressure involved in this. Yeah, Charles, I think you guys were followed and then unfollowed by pre-court pretty quickly. <laughs> um, well, well, to, to be fair to, to, to Anthony pre-court, he followed us. Two days later, we posted about the season ticket prices and called him greedy, and he unfollowed us. Um, I feel as though that was probably related in some way or like i'm pretty sure anthony precourt keeps his followers at 512 and probably has a list of like 50 accounts that he will occasionally follow to let them know that he's really reading more than 512 accounts so i he's still reading the stuff what yeah you didn't know that i don't even have a twitter account i knew that that is wild to hear. <laughs> yeah, see, he uses Twitter while he only follows 512 accounts. You can look this up. I promise you it's true. Uh, I'm going to pull it back here, and we're going to ask uh, a question from a fellow uh, Austin Media Corps member. Uh, and it applies to Anthony Precord. It applies to Josh Wolf. Um, it applies to me. It applies to Charles. It applies to Seth. Um Jeremiah Bentley of the uh, Moon Tower Soccer Podcast asks us, why is everyone so sure of their position and why do people overreact to even mild criticism from people on the other side? Charles, you want to take the first whack at that? I I think it comes from Austin fans having to build a tough internet skin dealing with Columbus fans. Um, I think there's also just a lot of people who want to be right all the time about soccer <laughs> and feel as though any just like any kind of slight or any kind of just like disagreement is like, oh, they think I'm dumb. They think I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, 
ultimately, none of us really know what the right answer is. We have thoughts, we have opinions. We need to treat them as thoughts and opinions, keep them as, you know, talking about the, the stats and what we see and what happens and not doing things like calling other fans bums or babies or losers and things like that. Okay, but what if they are bums, babies, and losers? It's I mean, me. if an actual, I mean, if an actual baby like wants to be Wolf in, like, and can articulate that, like, more power to that baby. I just, I would like to be that baby, actually. Okay, I'll have to check in with uh, Logan Avocado's infant um, to see uh, their position. Um, Seth, any response to Jeremiah? I think if. If you've gotten through 57 minutes of this podcast, you've noticed that there's been a uh, tremendous amount of nuance among the three of us in discussing this. Like, this is not a black or white issue as much as it be in or out. Like, I think it's also that certain people take ridiculous personas on the internet and that you shouldn't necessarily um, take everything seriously and literally that people are saying. Like, there are, and like, people's emotions get really fired up about these things and like, People feel like they need to have their opinions heard. And, like, I'll be the first to recognize that my opinions change over time. There's areas of gray. There's areas of nuance. And, like, that's also part of being a consumer of this game. When people are getting to a point where they are as loyal and as things as this, that, like, they sometimes lose sense of being and forget that, like, this is a game at the end of the day. This is the distraction from the shittiness of the rest of the world. Like, this is supposed to be something that's enjoyable. Uh, I'm going to have to do this again. It's supposed to be some fucking fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I mean, I think my answer to this is, um, especially online, people take criticism of an argument or a position as like a personal attack uh, significantly more than they should. Um, and I mean, that's tied into a lot of things, but it seems exacerbated in kind of the Twitter sphere. And especially, you know, like you said, there's a lot of nuance in this discussion, but, you know, everybody's trying to get like a 140 character hot take in, right? Um, there's no room for nuance. And I think the death of nuance is, uh, not to wax poetical about like larger issues in our society. I think that's causing a lot of the like constant at our throat, um, type of shit. Cause really what this should be is, a soft discussion about like hey is josh wolf doing his job adequately if josh wolf isn't is whatever the alternative is better than the null hypothesis of keeping josh wolf on right that's what this discussion should be it should be very quite frankly fucking boring um but it's (laughs) yeah people just screaming at each other nonstop, and um i think it's a good question charles i mean i think there's also in, in austin fc fan culture there's a lot of people who have podcasts and blogs and have a lot of very strong opinions and we've seen an influx of that this year and i think some of the wolf out wolf in um discussion and 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 adversarial nature of it is is because we have such a thriving fan culture and so many people who have strong opinions and and a a culture who's probably a little too online like we're we're on twitter a little too much myself included yeah um that that does result in these things seemingly losing their nuance and you know, picking sides when ultimately all of us need to get on the, on the same side, which is that Wolf needs to wear Verde shirts more. Uh, yeah, Wolf needs to wear Verde shirts more, and we should maybe I'll take some Prozac um, and just chill out a little bit. But yes, I mean also that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At, at a certain point, like the world will not burn down if we miss the playoffs. Will we be disappointed? Sure. Will we be unhappy? Yeah. But like. 
it's gonna be okay, people. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the world isn't gonna end. And part of the reason I started this and I wanted to do it as like a post game thing uh, was I wanted to talk tactics. And so when we uh, started doing the five at the back, I was like, holy shit, we did something different. And like, you know, we can actually talk about something new and like how the ball's moving and how we're lining up and things like that. And then like it all just sort of died and we do the same thing every game and we're not allowed to counterattack and I'm not going to get into it because we've done it a thousand times. But I, I think some of the um, lack of change, uh, we kind of do the same robotic bullshit over and over is getting a lot of the wolf out people frustrated. Um, but I want to move on to just go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, like, I, I do wonder how fans would look at this differently if this was a higher energy, more swashbuckling team where instead of having these kind of dull, you know, one, one nil, two nil losses or two one losses. And instead every match was a like four, three, where it was a little more entertaining and a little more felt like we were going to score. Yeah. I, I, so I wonder aesthetically if that would make a difference, but I, I, I don't know unless we do like some kind of poll. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the bill of sale Sale I was given on MLS was like, it's this crazy left and right, back and forth, like every game's, you know, five to four type of thing. And like, I think you're right. If we were scoring goals and like still losing the same number of games, people would be a little more forgiving. But like a lot of the time watching a game for us is fucking boring. And that's really kind of the the issue, right? Like this is an entertainment business. If you're bored, you're not putting out, like, not to be, like, uber-capitalist about it. Like, you're not putting out a good product, and people don't want to buy that product as much. Um, Seth, you want to chime in here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's – you get to a point, like, there are – we three of us have watched enough soccer to know that we have seen nil-nil matches that have been on the edge of our seat. And also some two, three-two matches that you're like, oh, that was pretty dull at the end of the day, even though there were some goals in it. Scoring is not the only way to make a match exciting – but it is definitely to the casual fan here. It's definitely the fastest way to do it. But like at a certain point, like I don't want to. I want to have a solid defense as well. I want to have. Yeah, you don't necessarily. You can have some incredible saves. You can do this, but like at a certain point, like our problems are on both ends of the ball right now, and that's primarily a function of players here. Uh, like it is a problem that Stuver has faced the most shots in the league on a match uh, per game adjusted basis. It is a problem that our XG is lower than last year. Like these things, these things are real here, and we have to figure out how to address that. But Seth, I only want gratification if it's instant. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is. Um, <laughs> This is called the Suffering from Joy podcast, and um, there's going to have to be some suffering along the way. Yeah. Um, I think we've done our uh, our suffering for the year. Hopefully, we can get to some joy. Um, I did want to ask, Charles, uh, what would it take to make you want to retain Wolf or to switch to Wolf in? One, I think the team playing better. I think more honesty and more accountability on his part would be nice. Um, but ultimately, like, this is still, you know, as much as we just got done talking about entertainment, like, this is still a results-driven, results-driven thing. Austin are in 12th. Like, you want the team to do better, and if the team does better under Wolf, that'd be great. I just am not in the belief that that's going to happen. But what, okay. what, but to our ownership group, what is, and obviously we can't really answer this, is it more important to make the playoffs, or is it more important to have fake sellouts of everything? Like you said, depends who you ask. Like it is a because like from a commercial point of view, like 
right now, the biggest statement that can be made, and I'll be curious if we start getting data on this because my first season ticket payment is due in about 17 days, um, is we, and I hope to Phil West, to Jeremiah, to other people in the media who are listening to this, who are asking this, like, I want to know in early July, what's that renewal rate? If that renewal rate is below 95%, that is the first time of being like, okay, maybe there's some real pressure here. And yes, there is a wait list, but like a lot of that wait list is fake. Like Portland had a wait list that was just this long and, oh, a few owner scandals and a few other things. And the wait list, and you start charging more for tickets and the wait list gets real thin real quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that's the follow up to that is, is what the wait list looks like at this time next year because they love to brag about it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we get a good answer on what the renewal rate is. I think that if we don't hear about it, if the club doesn't talk about it, it's probably not good. Yeah. Um, no answer is probably an answer in and of itself. Um, let's turn that around on you, Seth, though. Um, what would it take for you to kick Josh Wolf out to the curb? Um, right now, I mean, if we get – if we have – in the short term, if we lose both the next two games by multiple goals, I'm okay with going to Davey, which is like, I don't like it, but like, I would get it. The anger would be so freaking palpable. Um, we've never even drawn Houston at home. Uh, I mean, and Dallas isn't going to have Jesus Ferreira in that match. Like, there is, I could see losing one of those matches, but losing two of those matches back to back would just be brutal for this fan base. But I think overall, the season is going to be a locker room revolt or, um, elimination day from being eligible for the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. And I think um, to sate the wolf out hunger a little bit, we're going to need four points at least this or uh, not this week, but um, during Copa Tejas week, I don't think we can lose either of those games at home. Yeah. But uh, let's say if we get two points out of two draws, I, I think yeah. it still probably is at the same level it is now, if not slightly higher. Yeah. And I guess it depends how we get those draws too. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. base nine-man performance to hold on to a draw or something. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, or like, you know, we score this, like, amazing goal to tie it up at the last second. Everybody has great vibes coming out of um, Saturday, right? Like, it's a very different feeling than, like, um, how we lost the game in Houston. Yeah. Um, which was very dejecting. Uh, and um, I don't know if it was worse than uh, Kansas City, but it was pretty, uh, pretty damn depressing. I'm of the belief if you get beat by just thoroughly as we did in Kansas City, like that's just that's more depressing. Like, yeah, you might curse louder about losing on a stoppage time goal, but like, I don't know, there's it's pretty dejecting to get your ass beat. Yeah, yeah, we ran a poll about after the second goal got scored of are you going to watch the rest of this match, and for most of the rest of the well, and tracking it through the rest of the match, it was about two thirds, one third in terms of people who had the one third being people who kind of turned it off. But you're also judging the most hyper engaged part of the Austin FC fan base at the false nine, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think that's also indicative that like one third of those people are turning it off. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it kind of cuts both ways, right? Uh, they're both hyper engaged. So. Um, they're more active, but like they're also the people who are more likely to watch it through, right? Yes. In theory. In theory, right? Um, okay, well, I don't think we came up with a panacea, but anything either of the two of you um, fateful and very diligent combatants want to add? I think we both just want to win the next two matches. Like, like as much as yes. we can be out here, like, we, like, 
I don't think any of us are, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, none of us are rooting for Josh Wolf to fail here. We want this team to succeed. We're just trying to figure out what's the best approach to get this team to succeed. Yeah, and I mean, if you're hey, rooting yes, for Josh exactly. Wolf to fail, fuck off. Yeah. Um, I'll put it plain and simple. Like, I don't care if Josh Wolf is the head coach or if he refuses to ever wear Verde again, as long as the team is successful. Um, and I mean, the Verde thing is kind of like a running joke, right? Um, it's a little deeper than that. We covered it, but um... I mean, I don't know what goes on over there. That false nine compound, but I assume there's like some effigies burned of him wearing black or white or whatever non-verde colors. You know what? If I he mean, wears, here's like, the thing: like, like go ahead. we are all about vibes, though, and like we do keep track of these things. And like, just you know, as people who are who are somewhat superstitious, um, you know, we do believe that there's a little bit to this. Because because here's the thing: if he didn't think it was lucky. Would he have worn it all through the playoffs? No, and I think the other thing is we finally got him to wear Verde on Saturday, and he looked rough. Like, he had had a very rough week. Um, Like, there was some pressure on him. So I don't know if that was a a minor capitulation or what. But uh, only time will tell, I guess. I mean, I would think if he was going to be gone in this international window, he would be gone already, right? Yeah, he hasn't done. He hasn't done enough. Like, he hasn't done enough to be sacked yet. But if the Houston fans yeah. on their loud drums are um, chanting for our wolf" at the end of this before our fans are, and like doing it in a jeering way, like you're getting sacked in the, and I would assume that they have some cleverness, and that would, I don't expect that out of them. But like, if that happens from either of the fan bases with their instruments in the next two weeks, whoo, I don't think I'm ready for those takes. No, and I mean, yeah, maybe we'll I mean, get some... Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm just saying, like, if he's not going to get fired after losing 4-1 before an 11-day break, his job is clearly safe. Yeah. And I, I think tied into kind of what I was saying about the, the getting four points, we mentioned, like, an outward fan revolt causing maybe a, a wolf sacking. I think that's what would cause it, um, was kind of my thinking. Um, cause I mean, yes. people don't like losing, I, I, but like, you know, getting smacked by Kansas city probably means more to me than, you know, most people, um, getting smacked by Houston and Frisco in a week. That's not going to sit well. Yeah. I, I think, I think those, those matches are, especially being rivalry matches. I refuse to wear, use the word derby, um, are, are going to make the fan base just naturally care about them more. And having them back to back, and especially considering that this, you know, without good results next week, Kopitayas could be finished for our for our purposes. And then at best, we're just playing spoiler for for Dallas or Houston. Really, would kind of get the fan base more so onto the Wolf out side. Yeah. So uh, I guess only time will tell. Uh, anything else either you want to say as uh, closing statements? They've heard from us enough at this point. <laughs> all right well hopefully uh we'll get some good results and uh we'll string some wins together we'll play some pretty football and uh this will all uh end up being a, a silly silly discussion that we'll all look back on fondly but uh as always uh thanks for suffering with us here for austin jared stroud it's diego for goodness he has written his name into austin folklore they just won't go away oh he hits the upright again it's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory. 